the starting lineup for your Gangsters, what's up guys? Are you a slacker? Envy. I'm not gonna debate you, Jerry. God bless the internet. Hello and welcome to Flicking and Screaming. My name is JT Chipman and I am joined by my co-host Evan Fagundis. Hello. It is Evan and I today sitting side by side in our tree trunk hot springs after a trek in the forest. No Jed today, unfortunately. We are going without him. I don't know. Today, they officially signed the ace to Nevada today. So maybe he, as, as our Nevada <laughs> resident, maybe he's ducking the smoke there, doesn't want to talk about it, but that's okay. We wish him the best, him and his family the best this week. Evan and I are here to talk about the movies of Kelly Reichardt, mm-hmm. one of, I think, a pod favorite, someone that we have talked about uh, quite a bit before for one of her movies in particular, but someone that's mm-hmm. been in our conscious for a while. Before we dig into that, though, in flicking and screaming fashion, I must continue the fashion and ask how you're doing. Oh, man, I... Uh... I'm doing pretty well. It's starting to get a little bit warmer here uh, off and on, you know, being on the on the coast here um, in the Bay Area. It's it's hit or miss, right? Like we don't get the full summer where it's like you wake up every single day, 92 degrees, you know, you're you're in the heat. Um, but days come and go here. Uh, so it's been kind of exciting every once in a while to walk out and see that bright sunshine. Um, but on the movie front, you know, I, I feel like I had just have all this anticipation right now. You know, we're seeing um, um, all of these kind of uh, movies be debuted at like festivals and seeing like the second and third trailers come out. You know, by the time you get into the, like the third theatrical trailer for a movie, you're just like, I- I'm tired of this. I want the goddamn movie. You know, I want to be in the theater watching the A-bomb explode in my face at this right. point. Nothing um, worse I- than I want- seeing like Oppenheimer TV spot number three on the YouTube feature list. And it's like, exactly. no, I'm done. Show me the movie. Exactly. And somehow the third one's always, you know, like four and a half minutes. I'm like, at this point, like, we're just showing full scenes, you know, come on, let's get into it. Um, But, you know, I I, I can't complain. Um, I'm really excited about things to come. Really excited to talk about Kelly Riker. I'm really, um, you know, think that that was one of our best episodes, um, actually, you know, being able to talk to Ryan Lee and and talk about First Cow back, what, a couple of years ago at this point. Um, But yeah, I'm doing well, man. How are you doing? I'm doing really good. You know, I was thinking about that episode and getting to talk to Orion. Really cool that that's our only episode with an interview with someone in the industry. We've had yeah. guests on at different times for different reasons, and maybe that's something we could do, try to do more of. But it's really, really unique and something that that I'm pretty proud of. So if any of our listeners haven't got a chance to listen to that episode, Evan and I did get to sit down with Orion Lee, who is the co-lead, the co-star of Rykart's 2019. I don't think I would call it like a breakthrough, but maybe a uh, maybe a career like stamping movie for Rykart, right? To mm-hmm. be with, with the A24 push, with a lot of awards push there, and also the pandemic uh, timing helping out a lot that people could focus on it. But uh, the first cow podcast that we did an interview with Orion, really awesome. Give that a listen. Super proud of that. But we are going to take a wider look at Kelly Rykart's movies. We have got eight feature-length films that we are going to try to rank today. And Evan, we were talking in the pre-pod banter uh, production meeting that ranking these movies feels a little bit silly. And uh, like 
everything we do on this podcast is silly, which is why I like it. It makes me excited about movies, and it's you know it's it's like a, just a fun. I don't know, way to chat with your friends about things, right? Mm-hmm. To give it that that structure. But with Reichardt's movies, a lot of them kind of flow into each other, and there's not mm-hmm. as much that you can point to and be like, oh, objectively, this, you know, this camera movement or you know, this this visual language of this movie versus this movie is so radically different or better. You know, they all kind of stand alone. And I maybe outside of a couple. I don't know if there's vast leaps of quality in all of these. I don't I don't see like a lot of variation just in terms of how um, consistent she is and the kinds of stories that she wants to tell. All very different stories, but a lot of the same things and a lot of just the same master touch throughout. I don't see a real drop off anywhere here. I don't know if you agree or not. Yeah, I definitely don't see a drop off. Like we're not going to, you know, start this this ranking um by saying like okay, 876, okay, now we're getting into the good movies. But right. you know, it's not going to be any of that. There is different quality. A lot of it has to do with preference. And I will say that watching them all back to back to back her style does change and she really has evolved as a filmmaker. So while there are a lot of similarities there um, that, that we can talk about, it is interesting to see how her style has changed. But the one thing that has, has not changed is that maybe the most telling thing about what you're saying, you know, in, in making these movies hard to rank is that these movies don't have any sort of um, like monetary aspiration, right. Mm. Or commercial aspiration. These movies are often like literally at the box office making less than a million dollars and stuff like that. Um, And it does truly feel like artistic endeavors to the core. Like these movies are made for people to enjoy them if they want to find them. And if they want to stick, stick through them, you know, with them, I'm sure there are plenty of people out there who might turn on old joy and turn it off after the first 20 minutes, just because they weren't getting what they wanted. And I don't think that's Kelly Reichert's, um worry at all and i think that makes it like you're saying very hard to kind of delineate sometimes between them because she is putting her true self into every single one of them um and making it hers yeah that's a really good point you know she has had to scrounge for making a lot of these movies and Mm -hmm. until the a24 push of the past few years She's really kind of been self-made. And I would say that she's still self-made. I don't think that she's compromised by working with A24. I wouldn't say that her artistic vision has been shunted or something like that, right? Right. But there is something to admire about just the years and years that she worked hard, like like literally worked jobs like on reality television shows behind the scenes or like other mm-hmm. stuff like that just to be able to put these artistic statements out into the world. And she's got other short films that she's done as well, right? She's... Mm-hmm a really broad artist, which is an interesting theme, I think from her most recent movie um, showing up, which is out I've been out in theaters. I think is on VOD now uh, from a 24 as well there, but yeah, she is definitely an O-Tour and she's an O-Tour of, of slow cinema. Now I learned more about, or I thought more about slow cinema just this past year with the most recent sight and sound poll where Gene Dealman, takes the number one spot a movie that i think that i had seen like a couple of twitter screenshots of in the past randomly but had never given a second thought to it. and it's like oh my god the critics thinks it's the best movie of all time and it's more or less a three-hour movie about a woman in her apartment right and everyone's like mm-hmm. this is slow cinema and mm-hmm. reichardt is probably our biggest active name in the world of slow cinema right now and 
to me, what slow cinema is, is just all about patience, right? Yes. Um, complete moderation of camera movement, of direction, of, I think, scripts and screenwriting, right? It's just letting things play as they lay, letting things mm-hmm. operate in real time. It can weirdly be uncomfortable. I don't know if you feel this way or not, but for mm-hmm. me, I sometimes look to movies to escape from real life and escape from the time constraints of our conceptions of 24 7 365 time right and right isn't afraid to live in those moments and mm-hmm. let you walk around with some pre-colonial settlers in the old west heading out to, to catch gold and you're going to walk with them for five minutes and the cameras mm-hmm. might move a little bit or it might stay still People are going to walk at a normal place. They're going to slow down, kick a wagon wheel, start back up, and you're going to watch all of it. And you Mm kind of have to live with that. And it makes you uncomfortable, but it is so masterful from Riker. Mm -hmm. I think it's something that can really easily be mishandled by someone without her vision, but I love what she does with it. Oh, man. I think uncomfortability is a great way to put it. It's like uncomfortability in... um, in real life, in a way, you know, and that sounds a little bit cliched, right, to be like, oh, these movies are such like real life, because everything is kind of drawing on something, but there is like a realism to these movies. They're often set outside as well, right? Like lots of natural light in these movies. Um, but I think what she really does, and it gets back to that that point that you're making about slow cinema, is, is like she's so in control of what you are seeing and when you're seeing it. There is nothing, hardly ever anything that happens within the frame that constitutes when she cuts or when she she moves the camera somewhere else you know like there are there are so many times where it'll be a very still shot uh, say an old joy of a car driving up the road and it's clearly the our main character's car and and there's a still shot and the car comes into frame gets closer goes around a bend is out of frame and we're just kind of sitting there looking at looking at the trees that they just passed by for an for an extra you know 10 15 seconds and there's something about that that when you see it a few times you're like wow i don't see that like no matter how can you know in control filmmakers are there is often stuff happening within their film that the direction that they are giving the the actors or or the vehicles or the set pieces um, in their movies are kind of dictating w- when they need to move on, right? And like her movies don't do that at all. And there is something even almost a little bit unsettling about that because it's like you are totally at the whim of whatever she wants to do. Or like in in uh, you know again in Old Joy at the end there, how long she makes you wait for those moments between those two guys while they're in those baths, you know, like. You are like, okay, they've done three shots of falling water. There's not going to be, oh, nope, there's a fourth. And you're just like itching to hear what these guys have to say to each other. But she's not going to get you there before she feels like, you know, the film is ready or or the audience is ready. Or I guess probably most realistically before she's ready, right? It's crazy how much tension can be built out of things that are so simple, things that we wouldn't otherwise think would hold tension you know we we love our thrillers here on flicking and screaming right we Mm -hmm. love whether it's an action-packed thriller whether it's a you know a legal thriller those movies are explosive and reichardt's movies i think for the most part are are not explosive in any way they're very tame they can be very um intentionally quiet and muted 
and mm-hmm. might not have, you know, an explosive, like um, emotional climax, even certainly not physical, but not emotional mm-hmm. either. But that tension is still there and is still interlaced very well with beautiful shots of nature, with yeah. very simple and sometimes awkward or like uh, indirect conversations. You know, sometimes people mm-hmm. are talking about one thing and they're really trying to talk about another thing or they're using, you know, they, they might be telling a story to cover up the things that they actually want to say or to maybe fill in an awkward silence. I think there's some of that in Old Joy specifically. We talked about Old Joy quite a bit here already. I don't want to get too deep into <laughs> things before we get started with Old Joy. I'd be telling. Yes, that's, that's a good movie. Um, I think the other thing that I wanted to talk about was, was yeah. it's, it's just wild to be going from Blackberry to these movies, to, <laughs> to all of my cards <laughs> movies, because Blackberry is yeah. just a, a shit show. Um, and it's yeah. also like a shit show that, only cares about the men in the story. I don't think there's like two women in Blackberry, which like that's not the story that they're telling, right? But Rykart, and while she obviously between Old Joy and, and First Count in particular, I think, can tell really amazing stories of men and male friendship, she is, I think, has such a a painter's like palette of different women characters in her movies mm-hmm. and is completely unafraid to let them shine in their own way right and to tell like i don't know is is there a better like active director who is a woman who is telling these kind of stories about women and i'm i'm not sure if there is yeah i mean i i i don't know if there is especially telling contemporary stories because i think you could Mm -hmm. say somebody like sofia coppola you know with Marie antoinette and some like is an amazing storyteller when it comes to telling stories from like a female perspective. Um, and her movies all relate back to present day, right? I think there has been a little debate going around on Twitter about how filmmakers these days are making contemporary movies. And they might not be set in contemporary times, but they're always addressing contemporary issues, right? But like Kelly, Reich- Kelly Reichert's movies are taking place in 2006 and taking place in 2010, and and 2012 um and then she'll go back every once in a while again to to tie back to our present day but um as far as telling like contemporary stories about like women who are living in specifically in america in you know the last 15 years i don't see anyone else who's who's doing what she's doing yeah i think you're right on and also like she'll she'll tell stories that are just about women. I think sometimes mm. a lot of directors there, they will write great women and they're writing them with in romances, you know, mm. sometimes with, especially yeah. with like a male co-lead and they write the male co-lead right. very well as well. And I love those movies. They're, they're fantastic and we love them too, but I don't know, a movie like certain women mm-hmm. is exclusively about the woman of that movie. There yeah. are small male parts, but truly, everything flows through and is about the woman at the heart of that story. Right. Um, and I think that showing up her most recent as well is literally just about Michelle Williams. And it does, I don't even think that there's, I mean, you've got the, the brother character, but there certainly isn't the romantic crutch that I think some directors sometimes rely on when they have a, a, a woman at the center of the frame, they don't need to lean on any sort of partner man woman otherwise on the side it's all Mm -hmm. like that's that's the thing that i think struck me the most and the thing that like you almost even though like i don't expect this of kelly reichardt you still kind of i still kind of was waiting for that to show up and showing up pardon the pun i was still waiting for i don't know some 
unrequited love to like enter in the third act or mention of some crush in the past. But no, it was like, this is a movie about me and my art. And that was really, really fantastic to see. Yeah. And every once in a while about Hong Chao. And and that um, it is it is amazing or I shouldn't say amazing, but it's really cool that she does that and she can do it both ways. You know, like she can do it with men as well, which I think is Mm -hmm. the most impressive thing. Like, I don't know if I've seen more prescient movies about male friendship and and possible, you know, um, um, unspoken and well, at least in the movie unspoken, you know, um, love, perhaps. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know if I see that more accurately portrayed anywhere else, you know, with male filmmakers or female filmmakers or, or really anyone. Um, she is just an incredible knack for understanding how to put, you know, one or two people on screen and get you totally invested in their way of life and, and the way that they view the world without having to put, you know, opposite sex love interests in front of them for them to be able to kind of play off of. Um, and I think that's like so impressive and and such impressive writing. I think these movies are so well written, even if they may seem less written than the average movie, just because there's less words said. Um, yeah. I, I think it's awesome screenwriting. So, Certainly a case of quality yeah. over quantity, which absolutely it's an argument that I think 99% of the time I'm, I'm right there with. And I love, you know, there's the, the 1% that we can get down with, but this yeah. is, the, the, there's no misses, I think, with what she does with quality or quantity. I mean, mm-hmm. it's so that that I do think that there's the underlying tones of like same sex love that go through like I yeah. like the scenes in like First Cow with Cookie and King Lou. And you put yeah. those up with the scenes of Kristen Stewart and Lily Gladstone and certain women. And yeah. both of those, they speak to those characters, but there's a shared understanding of that um kind of forbidden kind of unspoken um and probably never and in both cases it seems like never will be spoken love that runs deeper uh and both characters i think are very aware of it and simply won't say the words there um which like makes your heart hurt a little bit right but is super powerful Definitely in certain women. Oh, my God, it's heartbreaking. It, I, I, first cow I'm interested to talk a little bit more about because on second watch, I'm like, it may even be a little bit more explicit. The movie doesn't seem to want to make it the main focus because I think the her telling her story is like, it's not about that. Like, that can be the case, but this isn't purely about that. But the way Cookie moves into King Lou's place after basically just seeing it once is is kind of um incredible and there's some homemaking happening there that i i think is a bit telling in that film but um yeah it's incredible stuff and it's beautiful like nothing in her movies oh my gosh ever feels for movies that are so emotional they never feel exploitative at all right like they they never feel like they are either exploiting my emotions or exploiting their their her character's emotions um they're always so true to the story and they don't even pause sometimes when when it does hit those heartbreaking moments the the movie doesn't even just want you to sit in it and contemplate it's sort of like this is what life is and tomorrow does still happen even though um you know some some traumatic event has taken place or something um before we get into the movies themselves 
I just wanted to point out really quick because I think it makes it a little bit easier than, than going through on each one. I kind of want to point out a couple of her collaborators because she really is yeah. um, like it, it does feel like showing up is actually a really interesting movie because she's constantly doing the work by herself. But it's often showing how artists kind of play off of each other. And I think it, it does seem really telling. But like um, uh, Jonathan Raymond, John Raymond is an author. He started with books and short stories. He's written six of her movies or at least co-written them with her, um, you know, sometimes based on his short stories in the case of a few of them. Um, but he's an amazing writer. And then I don't think he's done all of her movies, but Chris Blovelt, I believe, Blovelt is a cinematographer that she's used a lot um who is just incredible i mean these movies look from top to bottom uh, amazing like it might be the most well it's hard to say because we did do like pta and stuff but it like some of the most well photographed um uh, movies that we've ever done on a ranking um so just wanted to point those two out and of course then we'll we'll definitely talk about michelle williams and Mm -hmm. well Michelle Williams. We'll definitely talk about it as we as we go forward and a couple other people. Yeah. Um, but just want to point those two out. The other interesting one I found was Todd Haynes produced mm-hmm. a lot of her movies, which I thought was kind of a cool thing. And another person who who makes really complex, you know, human human stories. But just wanted yeah. to throw a couple of those out there. Two great names, Reichardt, Reichardt and Haynes. They're they're two yeah. phenomenal directors and. Two of the most, uh, just two of the most like compelling, mature storytellers. Uh, Quite literally mature, right? Haynes' new one, I think, is like a May-December love story. So there's going to be some mature stuff uh, quite literally going on there. But yeah, we'll talk more about them as we go into, because now that you're saying these names, I want to like talk about cinematography, but we'll we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there as these movies come up, because we need to start ranking. Um, We should start at number eight, I think, I think. If you have a nomination, I want to hear it. I I think I do, but I it might be a bit controversial. I mean, my nomination is River of Grass. Okay, so that's yeah. my seven. I actually okay. have this is this is going to be so contradictory for like me. I have Night Moves at eight. Ooh, wow. So wow. I really like. Okay, I don't dislike oh. any of these movies. Like these yeah. are all, again, these are all really solid and. They kind of all speak to each other. They're they're an amoeba, right? It's not easy to put them in yeah. the tears, like you were saying. Night Moves is a bit of a different direction for Reichart. Um, mm-hmm. It this is when I was talking about. There's no explosive climax in any of her movies. This is kind of the exception. There are kind of two mm-hmm. explosive climaxes: one in the middle and one at the at the end. Um, and obviously, the, this is a story of like ecological activism slash terrorism right this is mm-hmm. a story of people who are desperate who are taking initiatives to make change these three people they might be misguided they're they're clearly very human they're clearly um very flawed characters who seem to have good intentions but i don't i think my problem i think my problem with night moves is i'm not 100 percent sure what she's saying with the movie um i think it's really well told it's got that great right pacing which is like really fun to apply to a movie like this like that's such yes. a cool thing to like take it's awesome the ideas of slow cinema of minimal cutting long shots not a lot of dramatic music and 
pair that with like a bomb going off at a dam, right? That's really a thriller. Cool. Yeah, it's, to pair it's that awesome. with a thriller. Yeah, exactly, exactly. She doesn't compromise on any of those elements of filmmaking that she brings to the table, and that's that's phenomenal. Um, and you know, I'm like, hey, here, here here's my hot take. Maybe maybe we need more of this in the real world. Maybe. This is that's that's only a, a hot take. I'm not actively encouraging. I'm not saying that, but maybe someone could be saying that. Yeah. Um, but I think it's just the one that I'm still struggling with and I'm still like trying to get her vision behind it and what she like actually thinks of these characters, what she actually thinks of their actions. And maybe she is just kind of leaving a mess intentionally mm-hmm. because stuff like this is so messy. And I get that for sure. I think it just didn't resonate with me in a heavier way like some of these other movies did. Mm. Yeah, I hear you. So uh, I will say I had night moves at four. Ooh, I just okay. the the first 45 minutes of night moves is some of the most electric filmmaking I feel like I've seen. Mm-hmm. This is my first watch of this movie. Some of the most electric filmmaking I've seen in quite some time. She took her approach of not really explaining People, she does this all the time in a movie. She doesn't really explain people's relationships too much. She kind of lets you pick up on that through their interaction. She doesn't really explain people's motives too much. Again, you kind of pick up on that through their interaction and the and the people's interaction with the world. And taking that approach to a thriller, I thought was just amazing. Like the whole execution of how they were going to pull this off and how these three people were connected to each other, um, being fed out in like little morsels is like crack to me when i'm watching yeah, it's movies. something so more thrillers should do absolutely absolutely it is so incredible to watch them without explicitly saying what they're doing just understanding every step of the process exactly what they're trying to accomplish in that specific moment and there are a couple of specific moments including when um dakota fanning um who, who is just an amazing actor uh went in to buy the uh the fertilizer the you know a couple nights before really the, uh the big night um that scene is incredible and james legros is incredible in that scene as well as the the what like you know store owner guy i guess general manager maybe who, who's kind of calling the shots and just like the dynamics at play aside from what they're trying to accomplish like the male female dynamics the power dynamics the um you know i don't know just like the the wittiness of the script during during that section i will say the second half of the movie doesn't hold up quite as much it 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 devolves a little bit into pure thriller and i actually think we could have used more dakota fanning in that section we really get sucked in with jesse eisenberg's character um and it's interesting but it just becomes a lot more conventional you know that like blood on your hands how, how do you react sort of um tension um, and I still think it's good and, and you know, there's a pretty intense payoff, but it, it doesn't hold together quite as much. So I can see, you know, the second half not being the favorite, but the first half is just so electric for me. And it, and it's especially coming off of her first few movies. I just love that she did that. Like she yeah. was like, I'm going to make a thriller and it's going to be a, a, a real thriller. You know, it's, it's not just going to be sitting in the meetings, hearing about the destruction that humans are doing to the world we're going to assume that that's already taken place we're going to watch some people commit an act of eco-terrorism um and you're you're right she she doesn't take sides at all like she is incredibly ambiguous in her thoughts which i think is 
pretty useful um and and paints a more like realistic picture of the situation mm-hmm. versus you know taking taking a strong stance and and kind yeah. of taking like a, a moral take on the story yeah. i don't I know don't i'm talking a lot her... we're probably going to about it yeah I don't need her to take like a huge moral stance. I guess I just wish that maybe I would have seen more of Fanning's point of view in that second half of the movie because Eisenberg is just struggling with like, I don't want to get caught and go to jail. Um, It would have been interesting to like, I I felt like the characters didn't confront like the actual actions of what they did versus going to jail. Like what questions of like, was it, was it worth it to go to jail over this? Was it worth it to, you know, was it worth it that a life was lost or potentially yeah. lost um, in the face of what this could what this could mean? It was very binary for Eisenberg. And that's mm-hmm. the story she wanted to tell, it seems like. And like more power to her. She told that story. Yeah. I think that I would just be interested in the fanning point of view. Yeah, uh, I would have been interested in that as well, because there's something very interesting about what guilt can do to you both mentally but literally physically i mean mm-hmm. dakota fanning her her physical body is literally eroding i mean in, yeah. in a way by the end of that movie um and i think there's something very fascinating about that and and i'd almost guess that maybe the kind of shock of that or the intensity of kind of seeing her after being away from her for, you know, whatever it is, a couple of months is maybe supposed to be what, what drives that home, but I could have used some more of it. So we got to compromise a bit. What do you, what do you have at seven? I have showing up at seven. Interesting. I have showing up at six river of grass at seven. So why don't we, why don't we do river of grass eight and showing yeah. up seven and let's tackle let's yeah. tackle those two so river let's of grass do, yeah is freaking a, a wild movie <laughs> Her debut a, film yeah i actually had a lot of fun with this movie and it could be higher it almost is like it it is pretty uh different i think obviously this is it's clearly a debut feature right it's clearly got mm-hmm. that like handmade homemade you know um like first time slash not professional actors on screen mm-hmm. that we're seeing. It's kind of a dirty low down story from the fucking Florida Everglades, right? Like it mm-hmm. is a, this, this is the, the Florida man origin story in a lot of ways, this movie. Uh, and it's, it's a lot of fun. It's really funny. It's kind of weird. Uh, there's like gunfire in this movie, you know, it's, it's, you know, in the letterbox reviews, people will be like, you put this next to a reservoir dogs or you mm-hmm. put this next to like an early Coen's. And this this kind of falls right in line, which you can't really say about the, the rest of Reichardt's filmography. But mm-hmm. this one does kind of fit that bill of 90s kind of grungy Sundance uh, uh, type thriller character study. And I had a lot I had a lot of fun with it. I had a lot of fun with it as well. And and it um it's very contemplative, which is which is so funny because you can, if you go through the plot, a, a lot seems to happen. In the moment it doesn't necessarily feel that way. It's ve- it's very patient with the way it doles out, you know, it, it's information and and really just like the plot action. Um, but I had a lot of fun with it as as well, and I can totally see what she is going for moving forward a lot too i mean that i think that's the best way to tie you know that movie in with um with some of those other features that that you're describing there is like is it exactly like all of her other movies no 
are the seeds of what she really likes to do being figured out? Yes. Like, I mean, it's called River of Grass. There are literally long shots of just kind of tall grass waving in the wind. Um, and I think that is that is really cool for this specific story as far as like grass in the wind. It, you know, it's it's um, it fits into the themes quite quite snugly of of especially it's kind of the main character that that we start out with. Um yeah, I, I don't even know really what to it this this to me is almost like the hardest movie to talk about just because I don't even know where to start. But I, I did enjoy it. Like I said, even even the movie that I have at eight, I, I felt was a very strong movie. Yeah, I even thought about putting it higher than seven. Um I'm okay with it for kind of our shared list to to throw it at eight. But okay. it, it really is it really is a wild ride and one of the I'd like to it return is. to. One of the great things about Reichart is she will clock in a 75 minute movie and say, here you go. You know, that's yes. for her style. Especially, Absolutely. It really works. It really fits. Um, you know, Reichardt will challenge you. I think the idea of a lot of the principles of slow cinema with the long shots, with the minimal, you know, actual dialogue is that it mm-hmm. can challenge you as a viewer and say, Hey, mm-hmm. you got to lock in, keep that over there. Don't pick, don't be picking up your phone, lock in on this story try to you know we're, we're so used to just overstimulation in our movies and in our lives mm-hmm. and these movies tell you to fight against that and uh that's why the the 75 minute runtimes can be a little clutch <laughs> for for mm-hmm. doing that but uh okay let's go ahead and throw it at eight and then yeah. do we want to do showing up at seven i mean it's it's up to you i i'm it's six on my list i would oh, i would okay. say if we could do six showing up five night moves Oh, five. Wait, what are we or, putting sorry, at seven? Sorry, wait, hold on. Eight, eight. Sorry, I can't count. I promise I can count. Eight, River of Grass. Seven showing up, six night moves. Yeah, let's do that. I, I right. am I am more than comfortable with that, because the more we talk through night moves, I'm like, I mean, the, the last 25 minutes of the movie leave some to be desired. Um, But yeah, let's talk about showing up. Seven, her most recent film. Mm-hmm. A really good movie. Um, really good movie. This is... Our first Michelle Williams, Kelly Reichardt collaboration that we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. So Michelle Williams is a uh, not not an art student, but kind of a involved in an art school in yeah. I believe in in Oregon. Again, now yeah. we're, we're we are tackling two big Reichardt things here. Yes, uh, Michelle Williams and the Pacific Northwest. I think Night Moves is yes. in the Pacific Northwest as well, but this is more Pacific Northwest core. I would yes. say more like we are in Oregon. Here are the trees of Oregon. Look at the trees of Oregon. Um, And Michelle Williams is like getting ready for her big. She's she's got to show up for her big showing Mm -hmm. um, with her clay sculptures. Mm -hmm. And she's got a horrible roommate slash landlord in Hong (laughs) Chow. She's got all she's got a brother who's going through a lot of mental struggles. Our boy Jean Magaro. Uh, her mom is her boss at the yes. art school, which is tough. Her dad is hanging out with uh, some free some. He's got freeloaders on his couch, and she's trying to scramble and put all of these things. She's got like seven. All all these things are floating above her head, along with the art show, and she wants to put them all in order to make the art show perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a really simple movie, really sweet, really. Um, I don't know. Michelle Williams does a lot of great eyebrow acting. That's something I've mm-hmm. noticed about her. Really good with the furrowing of the brows, mm-hmm. uh, whether she is angry or concentrating or happy. The brows are always 
are always working. Um, mm-hmm. And she makes it to the art show. Spoiler alert. She makes it to, she makes it to her show and it goes well. Yeah. Yeah. The show goes well. Um, and, you know, there, there's like a lightness to the movie. Like, I think the whole sequence, uh, starting with the bird flying into her home, getting hurt, getting attacked by the cat through Hong Chao the next morning, um, you know, finding the bird and and then the bird kind of becoming sort of a main character for the next like 30 minutes of the movie. Yeah, is love the bird. Not 30 minutes, next hour of the movie, really, I guess. Mm-hmm. But um, it is really good. And, and there's like a lightness to it. I think. I don't know exactly when it happened, probably about when Night Moves came out, you know, with 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 an exception. Um, She did move a little bit more into like plot centric movies, not to say that like the plot takes over her movies. But there are a couple of those first movies that are legitimately just people out on the road with no end in sight. And and there's no real conclusion. Um, this movie makes a point to tell you very early on what we're building towards, right? Mm-hmm. Like we are building towards that show. And I think if anything, why maybe it's a little bit lower is like, I, I do kind of enjoy when she just meanders through her movies. And of course it's in a very controlled way. Um, but this movie does have an end in sight. I thought the John Magaro um, piece was, was done really well. And it was something that like, I wasn't really expecting. It, it kind of felt like, um, you know, it, it had its intended uh, consequence of, of being like this wrench that was thrown in Michelle Williams' character's life. And, and it kind of felt that way in the movie. I thought that it simulated itself really well. It's just something that I kind of didn't expect um, to have happen. But really, really pleasant movie is the way I described this one. Um, very, and, very uh, pleasant. Yeah. We start off with this, like, we, we start and end with this, like, ambient uh kind of synthy track yeah. and both times it plays over really long shots of drawings of sculptures at the beginning credits and then uh a loom i believe someone mm-hmm. doing some weaving on a loom in the end credits uh yeah. really really boppy i i do think it's a pretty optimistic film um mm-hmm. which i think that i think that reichardt will she she knows optimism, but I think she also knows desperation. And I think this movie yes. leans a little more into that optimistic way. Um, I, I want to save the Michelle Williams for another, the, the heavy too. Michelle Williams conversation for a couple of other movies. But Hong Chao is just evil in this movie. Can we talk about yeah. that? Holy shit. Yeah. What a, what a, what a villain. The the worst. And, and this movie does that good, you know, frustrating thing of like the main character not really confronting that for a long time and so it's like the double it's like the double negative of hong chow just being very frustrating herself um mm-hmm. and and so just like manipulative and yeah. and just like abstract in in the way that she acts but then also michelle you're just like ask about the water again you know i know yeah. you've asked a couple of times but like let's have a confrontation here um but yeah hong Chao, just time and time again every time she comes around you're just like god Damn it. Like yeah. every one of, of Reichert's main characters kind of have to have like struggles. And this one's because she's actually doing OK for the most part has to be this, uh, you know, a landlord, a terrible landlord, which which we've all come across. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a really like accurate to exactly your, what you're saying, like we've all come across a person like this, you know, who yes. is really gifted at what they do and right. seemingly just like you know, has got it made, has, has beat the system. This person mm-hmm. has beat the system. Hong Chao's character can do her art and not have to worry about money at the same time. 
Yes. It's a double jeopardy thing in the art world that doesn't seem to exist anywhere else and certainly doesn't seem to be. It's the opposite of Michelle Williams life. The opposite. Like Michelle Williams, aside from the fact that she's working like for her mom, essentially, um, seems to be. Yeah, Nepo baby uh, at, at, at the art school. She seems to resent even having to have a job right yeah. like having to make money almost in a way like she really does just want to sit in her half-closed garage and make her sculptures like that's just what she wants to do um and that does feel like the true artist vision and if we want to extrapolate out you know an auteur theory we're always talking about like filmmakers making movies about themselves and filmmaking it kind of does feel that way right like it's like kelly records like i want to set up these gorgeous shots but somebody's always coming around you know telling me that that um the set design that I wanted is going to be too expensive for our budget and we have to change like the wallpaper or we have to change somebody's wardrobe because you know the the pocket got frayed and there's not another one you know like it it feels sort of like that sort of thing where it's like I just want to create these images or this art and not have to do all that other stuff and and everyone else who is around me to an extent is just like a hindrance to that yeah 100 percent um the scenes in the art school where she's just watching everyone too yeah and and feeling i think inferior maybe feeling jealous feeling uninspired watching people work in so many different mediums the movie does a great job of showing like every kind of artwork physical mm-hmm. uh other or otherwise that one can do and it's it's awesome so it um, does it it has a sense of humor about it though too like i love does. the scene yeah. early on when she's eating lunch with the other lady and she's like what class is that? Like the people <laughs> dancing, you know, there is a little bit of, it's not like looking down on anyone. It's not, you know, doing the thing like people in college, like, Oh, you took dance. Like, you know, it's not doing that, but it is like, it's a little bit silly. Yeah. What some people are doing here. Dude, we're not at like underwater basket weaving jokes. Right. Yeah. But it, there's exactly. certainly a little bit of tongue in cheek humor, which I, yeah, love. definitely. Um, we've only, we got, we got five more movies to talk about. Yeah. Uh, we, number we'll five. Go, we'll you have, do you have a nomination? I so I had number six on my board. I would like to nominate certain women. Wow, you had that much higher. Two. Okay. 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 So uh, let me put it this way: certain women at two is almost entirely because of the Lily Gladstone, Kristen Stewart piece of the story. It and that's kind of where that's sort of what I had to use as a like because I mean basically six down is where i'm like bangers only like full on like near masterpieces and um that was part of it i was just like i don't know sort of like what you're talking about with night moves i felt a little bit with certain women where i was just like i don't quite get how it all meshes together i don't quite understand why laura dern's story has to take place in the same movie that lily gladstone and kristen stewart's stories take place um but i i'm perfectly happy going higher with with certain women as well okay why don't we do uh, what about maybe meek's cutoff here oh boy (laughs) damn we're struggling Meek's, meek's cutoff i have i have up there okay what about hmm so we both clearly meek's cut off in certain women are both like top two ish for us what about like an old joy or a wendy and lucy here i could go wendy and lucy so meek's i could cut also off, i should say i had it i have a three on mine okay. but like my top three are kind of like 
I consider like a little bit of a triumvirate there. But okay, let's can we do Wendy and Lucy? Is that we we can. This movie, oh man, this movie fucked me up, man. It um, did. Th- this it did. is when I was talking about the devastating side of Reichardt. Um, yes. This is where Wendy and Lucy comes because it's honestly like kind of hard to watch. It's it's at, not it just at certain points. It's hard to watch for the entire movie, right? Um, it's doesn't get it, a movie like this in worse hands would be like misery porn. Yeah. And this is not this is not that. This is yes. just like a devastating tale of what can happen to any of us in modern America. Yeah, it and it it, it very much is. Like it, it is absolutely a system crushing the little guy type of movie, mm-hmm. right? But at the same time, she she inserts this like complication of um, you know, the idea that there are certain people, sort of like Michelle Williams' character in this movie, who to a certain extent have not chosen to live like this, of course, but are also not content, rightfully so, on just succumbing to the system and mm-hmm. just being like, I'm going to do what everyone else does. There's a spirit. Yeah. Exactly. There's a spirit there, and it almost makes it all the more heartbreaking because it's like the spirit is is dumb. Where you are here, the spirit will get you nowhere, and you won't be able to have nice things, and most people that you come across will have disdain for you. And that's like yeah. really not most people I shouldn't say, cause there are a ton of sweet people in this movie, but it it's like, this movie is so heartbreaking. It's so yeah. brutal. Dude, even the and sweet people, right? Like our security guard, I mean, our security yes. guard guy, how much does he give her? $6. $6. And but, he's clearly not swimming in money either. That probably is no, like a pretty big deal for him, but it's like, yes, that is what sweetness can provide. <laughs> it's Dude, only $6. I, that moment, just thinking about it, it almost makes me cry. Like him, and I feel like it's, uh, it's almost, I mean, it's spoken, but like the fact that he gives her the $6, and he turns his body and hides it from his maybe daughter, we'd imagine, mm-hmm. is the one in the car. I don't um, know if it was daughter or wife or what it was. But. Daughter, wife. She was a little bit young, She, but she, she, you know, she was looking like a lot of other people in this movie, a little bit worse for wear. And mm-hmm. him saying, like, don't let her see. At, yeah. Like, as if that $6 really does mean a lot, you know, to like, oh, man, that stuff is, is heartbreaking. But how do we first meet him? Pushing her off the lot, right? And and yeah. it's not a malicious thing. He's like, it's against the rules. He just kind of keeps repeating it over and over. You can't yeah. be on the lot. It's against He's the like, rules. Like, I mean, the, the knowledge I think that is there is that he could lose his job over exactly. this. And if he loses his job, then he's in her position, right? It, then he's – exactly. It's entire. It's, – it's so, so fucked up. I think for me, the, the scene that made me the most mad was the grocery store clerk scene where he calls the cops on Absolutely. her. Absolutely. Because the way that Reichardt is like very intentional about giving that character a cross necklace. Mm-hmm. And just being like, this is a person who will put the cross of Jesus Christ uh, on, on his neck as, as Lord and Savior, right? And he is going to be a fucking psychopath to yeah. this woman and ensure that her, that, that, that horrible things happened to her because she was taking a can of dog food. And it's yeah. like, you are so clearly antithetical to everything that your necklace should be espousing. Yeah, you got to be, you got to make an example. Isn't that what he said? Like, it, that's what the manager oh. says. Like, it, he, he, oh man, that is, um, 
I, I mean, that's the perfect, it's the most on the nose thing that happens in the whole movie, but it's so mm. effective because you can absolutely imagine it happening, especially it almost seems more prescient watching it now in the age of like, you know, people taking a video of somebody sleeping on the subway and being like, hang this man in Central Park, you know, like it's crazy how real this stuff has become where people are just like punishment is the only answer. And especially for people being poor, like mm-hmm. the, the only answer for people being poor is, is to punish them further because of, you know, some uh, like, I don't know what I don't even know what the thinking is necessarily, but it's very pervasive. Um, and yeah, that scene just makes my blood boil. And then, you know, she loses the dog like uh, amazing, yeah. amazing dog acting in this movie. The opening to this movie is incredible. Um I just think it's so good that the kind of it's a it's a long lens camera looking through the trees at Wendy and Lucy kind of playing with a stick walking, walking through um, the forest. And to a certain extent in that moment, if you just if you just took that specific two minutes and didn't have any context, you'd think this is the life. Why wouldn't I would want to be I want to do this right now. I want to do this yesterday. I want to have done this yesterday. I want to do this tomorrow. Um, And then the movie extrapolates out and it's like. As a part of, you know, being free enough to enjoy moments like this, you also have, you know, so many hardships. Mm -hmm. It's so wild. You only see her eat once in this movie after she gets the six dollars. You never she steals food for for lucy she doesn't steal food for her not for herself no it's she she yeah she does need it all she i mean those see i this movie i think i put it in my letterbox review i feel like i have been behind on michelle williams um just because i i know she's considered to be one of the best i really thought she was very good in the fablemans last year i've seen her in some movies i just haven't seen her defining work like i haven't seen um, Blue Jasmine, right, is, is like a big movie for her. Like, there are just lots of her um, um, more acclaimed work that I just haven't seen. And watching Wendy and Lucy, I, I felt like a light bulb click. Those scenes of her getting herself ready in that gas station bathroom is just like kind of movie magic. In, mm-hmm. in not in that like the scene is magical, but in how there you are with her. There's just like a soul crushingness yeah to what she goes through and like i said it, it can be written all over her face but i think also like in her posture in her gait like the way she walks around um i think you see it in showing up i think you see it in this movie where like the world has walked all over michelle mm-hmm. williams and i think in in multiple of reichardt's movies right she is a person who has just been beaten down by the system, by a loveless marriage, by society, by own her own personal failings, whatever, um, right? And what Michelle Williams brings to that is, I think, pretty pretty consistent, but just so powerful and engaging mm-hmm. and mesmerizing, right? Yeah. Oh, 100%. 100%. She is great in this movie. Everyone's great. Will Patton, I think, is the mechanic, is awesome in this movie. Um, and does a great job of i don't know he another very complicated character where it's like what are you gonna do but he is still you know comes across so well and and does try to give her as many breaks as he can um 
good stuff out of him and and of course you know the ending of this movie i mean spoiler alert well maybe we shouldn't spoil it but like the end of this movie is <laughs> rough it's rough. It, I, I I I was I had plans to watch another movie after this one, and when I finished it, I was like, nope. I need to turn on an office or an episode of The Office or something, you know, as kind yeah. of a cleanser. Like I need to go like to a show, to a dog shelter right now. Exactly. And adopt it. Exactly. Um, exactly. I will say, so I didn't grow up with any dogs. I didn't grow up with pets. So like, okay, yeah. I feel like this movie would be higher if I had a dog as a kid. Mm-hmm. If I if I had grown up with a Easily. dog, like, and especially if I had lost the dog right if it had yeah. been if it, if it had passed on or if it had to be put down for whatever reason i think this movie would be higher that's just an emotional connection that i don't have in my past so me too i did grow up with dogs i grew up with cats i love my cats so much um but there's also something to be said i think if i had watched this movie eighth out of eight on my rewatch it mm. it might be up a lot higher like close to number one just yeah. because in right after you finish it man it, it really just uh um, it hits you. There, there are a lot of shots of Michelle Williams just like walking around a, uh, you know, a kind of rundown Oregon city town, not city, right? Town. I don't, I don't know exactly where it is, but um, lots of trees, lots of you know, older looking homes, and and just kind of like, um, yeah, I don't know, rough looking strip mall type spots. Yeah, it's a really good movie. Highly recommend. Really, really good. Why don't we go Certain Women, then Meeks Cutoff next? So Certain Women at number four, Meeks Cutoff at number three. Okay, so I wanted to give you, you had Certain Women at two? I did. Okay, so I had Meeks Cutoff at three, so let's put that at four. I'm only dropping at one, and then you're only dropping Certain Women one. that's, That's beautiful. You are doing 3d chess right now you are seeing into the matrix i love it i am cut off at four yeah i'm like tom cruise at the beginning of um minority report (laughs) you know i'm saying like piecing it all together i love it that's a good movie um meek's cutoff is oh a banger Um, banger (laughs) it is it's one that like i think I was the most hyped to watch, and I don't know if it quite lived up to, I think, some kind of maybe overly massive expectations that I had based on what I heard from some people, but it's still, like, a really, really solid movie um, that, you know, it's 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 the American West, right? It's settlers moving on. There's mm-hmm. a... Uh, I, I think that the, the filmmaking versus, like, the acting stuck out to me a little bit more in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, the direction, the, you know... Honestly, the the costume design of this one really stuck yeah. out to me with the, you know, time appropriate costume work for the settlers. There is dude, the match cut, like the dissolve match cut in the first five minutes of this movie is something out of like Lawrence of Arabia. It is yeah. absolutely amazing. And um, I think I really like the ending of this movie as well. Um, yes, it, it doesn't. I don't think anything in it like really surprised me. It's kind of like a classic story of like, I don't know, people uh, coming to understand, you know, it's the the settlers idea, right? In terms of like colonialism, there's a lot of ideas about Native Americans and prejudices and biases. There's a lot of those power structures we were talking about, man, woman power structures, especially. Um, so I really, I really enjoyed all that. I don't think it's 
landed quite as hard as some of the ones that are higher on this list for me. Um, but there's nothing like technically missing here or technically incorrect. Yeah, uh, this movie is. It, I mean, this is the first time that I saw it. It blew me away, like really blew me away. Partly, f- first to start, it is just absolutely gorgeous. And I think we've talked about it before, but landscape shots and and westerns in general are some of my favorite looking movies um, and the movies that I'm drawn to the most. So this was just like, you know, crack for for um, beautiful shots of, you know, the American West. Um, but I love the contrast so much. And you're right, so much direction in this movie. I, I love the contrast of the wide shots, the wide still shots, and a lot of like dolly camera work walking with the group there there are so many shots of kind of a a head-on shot of paul dano and his horse and his um and his uh um what do you call him like the covered wagon yeah the wagon the wagon behind him and and um you know zoe kazan a bit farther back um and we're just walking with them. And and I feel like this movie or yeah, this movie very much puts you in, in the place of these people. And mm-hmm. you sort of get the idea very early on of how difficult this life is and how pissed yeah. off you would be about being in this situation. Because Using like, the wide to, shot for the wagon that crashes yes. is, yes. is top notch. Top notch. And you feel it. You are just like. Like your your stomach just like curls. And speaking of not seeing people eat or drink very much, you really notice it in this movie when it looks like it's, you know, a hundred degrees the whole time. They're all wearing like knit, you know, jackets and, and coats mm-hmm. and stuff. And uh, just walking all day. Just walking. Yeah, like, just 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 walking all day. Um just through desert. But I I also think like some of the this some of Michelle Williams' best work. I think she is an absolute powerhouse in the second half of this movie. Um, and while the actual like dynamics at play are reasonably straightforward as far as, you know, like people having prejudices and and either overcoming that because of, um, you know, situational hardship or because of, you know, a changing of their actual, you know, heart or or internal feeling, I, you know, it, it's hard to say at times. Um, but I think it's very effective and again, doesn't blast it over the head to the point where it feels like this filmmaker is telling you like it is, you know, I think it's very bad to have prejudices against people. And if you do, you should feel bad about it. Obviously, like there's an implication to that. And, and you know, any decent person would would understand, you know, the right side of this situation. Um, but the movie doesn't linger on that and and because it doesn't it makes that moment towards the end when meek you know is is stepping up to shoot the um you know the native american captive that they have and the camera pans and it uh it pops over to michelle williams character miss tethero um pointing her rifle at him it's just uh i mean that is a moment i i was i was in awe yeah yeah really really solid movie that's our number four. We're going number Certain four. Woman at three. Yeah, I think a lot of people talking. took notice of, of this movie as well, um, which I think this actually may have been her A24 debut. I think maybe I called that it was First Cow, but I think Certain Woman might also be an A24 feature. I think you are right. 
Oh, it was an IFC. No, yeah, IFC. How about that? This is why I shouldn't second guess myself. <laughs> this movie, to me, again, all comes down to the Lily Gladstone, Kristen Stewart. Now, I get that you know I'm only harping on like essentially the third act, the the one of the three stories, but the other two again are really solid. I love the Laura Dern character. I do love like how they are interwoven because Laura Dern is sleeping with Michelle Williams' husband. I believe mm-hmm. is the. It took it took yes. me a second. Once I figured that, I was like, ah, like yeah. there's this shot of Michelle Williams walking in and like he's texting and puts the phone away quickly. Like ooh. Yep. Just a little subtle, subtle thing, and she sees it, and it's un- again all the unspoken shit. Love yeah. the unspoken shit in Kelly Reichardt movies. Um, but Lily Gladstone, man, she's she is special, and it makes me even she more is. excited for what Killers of the Flower Moon could be. Yeah, she is absolutely special, and Kristen Stewart is special. I mean, seeing her in because. You know, if you start talking to me about who who I think are the best, uh, you know, actresses out there, we talked about it the other day. But like, I think Laura Dern got a shout out on that episode. Um, I absolutely would have shouted out Michelle Williams if we'd done that episode after watching all eight of these movies. Um, but in that movie, those two stand out so much: Lily Gladstone and Kristen Stewart. I thought their dynamic was amazing, and. Similarly to what I was talking about with Michelle Williams just owning the screen in Wendy and Lucy, Lily Gladstone absolutely does that with with those horses, right? I feel like there there's a reason why this movie ends with almost like a three minute unbroken shot of Lily Gladstone just doing chores mm-hmm. <laughs> because she is just such an interesting person and and the ambiguousness of her character is. Um, so effective you know like we learn almost nothing about this person including like why she hops into random you know the legal classes you know and stuff like that but she is um i don't know immensely interesting and and those moments between the two of them in in that diner and um you know riding riding the horse on the way over to the diner and stuff are uh, cinema absolute scenes right yeah and driving the truck into town looking for like sleeping in her car looking for kristen stewart like oh man that's some of the most like heartbreaking but also just like fascinating like to tell that story to like have your characters make those choices based on you know just a couple of dinners together yeah what like it's it is the least satisfying, satisfying conclusion to a story maybe ever. Like it's you are in pain when Kristen Stewart says you drove all the way here. And like in any other movie that then leads to her being like, well, OK, like, let's at least get a cup of coffee, you know, or so, but like she's literally like you drove all the way here. And she's like, yep, I, you know, I figured if I didn't, I probably wouldn't see you again. And I couldn't have that. And Kristen Stewart's just sort of like, well, I'm going to go to work now. See, yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, it's like literally doesn't even like yeah. do as much as say, okay, well, it's, you know, good to see you, but I, I got to go. Like it literally was just like sat in silence. I mean, it's so intense. And, uh, and it doesn't even, I don't think it's even trying to make Kristen Stewart like a villain or like the no. bad guy or something like that. No. It's just like ask for it. No, she didn't ask for it. So right. in a way it's almost like, 
this person's probably a, maybe a little bit weirded out or a little bit creeped out. I think that I maybe. might be as well, right? Um, but the implications there and then the choice to just cut it. Yeah. yeah. Really, really special. Yeah, really, love, really good stuff. I do love Reichardt's like chore core thing that yeah. like I, I saw it in like in showing up a lot like it's like the thing that I noticed about showing up was like when she's working on her sculptures she just has like no music no headphones mm-hmm. like for me I am so overstimulated that like I can't load the dishwasher without like an yeah. AirPod in <laughs> me me too even like Hong Chao right she's like blasting mm-hmm. heavy metal and stuff a lot when she's doing yeah. her work. I get the feeling Kelly Reichardt doesn't doesn't care much for, you know. We have not mentioned how quiet her movies often are. I Emily was not watching these movies and super intently with me. She she had you know she has stuff to to do right now, um. So she'd like be on her computer and she'd be like she doesn't really like music that much, does she? And I'm like I think she picks really great places to put her music, but no, she is very comfortable with her movies just sounding like sitting next to, you know, a reasonably busy highway for a half an hour or something at certain yes. points, you know, like she doesn't need there to be the auditory like stimulation all the time. You know, I think a great word for her movies might be muted. I think both in sound, yeah, but also like word. in tone, in conversation, in clothes. I think the clothes yeah. she picks for characters can be muted. Absolutely. It's, and like, because it's sort of like life, right? If you are somebody who isn't listening to music all the time, it's sort of like that. And her movies are very realistic in the way that they sound. There are constantly trains in the background of these movies, right? Like they're almost every single one of these movies at some point, a character standing outside and you can hear a train in the distance. Yeah. Well, um, there are the train is cars. The, like the slower moving autumn, like, like transportation. Yes. That's, that's literally her movies. It's like, yeah. you will get to your destination eventually, but it's going to take its time. Straight line. Mm-hmm. A little bit, you know, uh, a little bit of a, a question about where exactly it's going. It's a, it's hard sure. to figure it out, especially if you picked it up in the middle of its journey. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. It's mechanical. Um, you know, it's mechanical. It's mechanical. And uh, I yeah, it that there there is a lot of there's a lot of, um, you know, theme that that can be dried there. But yeah, so much of the sound in her movies is coming from the the world that the people are inhabiting like even when music wendy and lucy the only quote-unquote music in the whole movie is when whenever wendy is um humming or whistling the song right Mm -hmm. like that is literally the only sound that's not supposed to be or no that's the only well it, it is coming from the world of the movie but there's no other music i don't think that's overlaid at all throughout the movie yeah i mean her car doesn't work the entire time so she doesn't have a car stereo yeah, 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 so, very true. Anyway, um, I, perhaps it's not surprising that our top two will be Old Joy and First Cow because those are stories about male friendships and they we are. are men who are friends. Uh, we are men who about are friendships, friends. So it, it, it kind of tracks. Let's. I think if we talk about these movies like in tandem and then we'll pick one, one or two here. Yeah. Um, but I actually did not get a chance to rewatch First Cow. This is the, I watched the other seven and I did not rewatch okay. First Cow. But you yeah. rewatched First Cow. I did. I did. I had not seen it since I think January of 21 is when I saw it. Um, yeah, I, so you, you, and, this was your first watch since then. Sorry. 
first watch since then yes okay so it had been a while but as soon as i started watching it just it was so familiar this movie is so familiar and it's funny after the first time that i saw it i was like wow this movie is so contemplative and and really moves so slow and i loved it i mean i had it in my top five for um i think so we put it in our 2020 rankings because i think it was released like maybe in at on the festival circuit in 2019 but came out mm-hmm. wide in 2020 something like yeah. that pandemic obviously too so like things were kind of muddled um i think i put it in 2020 it was in my top five and I was like, this is slow, but it's so beautiful. After watching all the other Riker movies first and watching this one um, eighth, I was like, this movie is flying. Like, we are so <laughs> plot driven here. Like, we, we're we getting point A to point B. Um, but, I mean, this movie is so gorgeous. I love the green palette. Like, everything is just so dense, that dark, dense green. Um, I, I think it's amazing. And the... Uh, the central performances just stick with me so, so much with Magaro and, uh, and Lee. Yeah. It's interesting to view it, you know, being made what 15, 10, 15 years ish after Wendy and Lucy, where yeah. these are stories about like stragglers who have mm-hmm. made it to the Pacific Northwest, trying to make it, trying to find their way and, subsequently losing big pieces of themselves and then first cow losing a lot more than they lose themselves entirely um Uh, now first cow does have that more optimistic strain where you get to you know have someone there with you all the way i forget what the exact lines that that they say to each other as they're holding each other at the end of the movie but it's it's super powerful yeah it is. And and you do get to see these guys flourish for a while, right? And that's something yeah. that never happens in Wendy and Lucy. Um, or or even, well, no, we'll talk about it in a bit. But, um, you know, even in Old Joy, you don't quite see the highs that these guys reach, right? When they're slinging those, those uh, like, sweet cakes, um, it, it's awesome there for a bit. And even when Toby Jones gets involved, it's obviously tense. And she is very good at building tension. We haven't talked about that a ton, but considering how she crafts her movies there's always a ton of tension and and there's a bunch of tension with toby jones character um but at the same time you're like these guys are doing it and and i'm sure they can't keep doing it forever but man are they having a time here for a while they are living about as well as they could possibly be living and and about as happy as they could possibly be there for whatever it is you know that month-long period when they're just slinging cakes and uh and you know taking their milk yeah, yeah. It's a real, like, fellas, is it gay to sling oily cakes with your best friend on the frontier who you also live with, right? It, it, very much, very much so. And, and I would argue, I'd love to see somebody really write about this. To me, watching it this time, it seemed almost, like, explicit. <laughs> I need, I'll need to rewatch it then. I actually, I've got the DVD sitting on my shelf right now, so I may I may even throw Whoa. it on after we're done here. Yeah, I just, I just ran out of time because I was like... I know I need to get to the other seven. It's like, if I don't yeah. rewatch First Cow, that's fine. I've seen it a couple of times. No big deal. Frankly, I, I felt like I already knew where it was probably going to slot in, in yeah. this ranking. Um, so that was just one where I just didn't quite have time to throw it on for the rewatch. Um, no worries. But you have the phys- you have the DVD? From the library, man. I'm telling wow. you, dude, getting physical media from the library is is, is a game changer. That's now, awesome. I, so my library does not have Blu-rays. It only has the DVDs. So we're talking that's, only 720, but yeah, like, yeah. that's okay. Especially if you're going for like older stuff, 
yes. 720 isn't too big of a deal if you're watching like a black and white thing or if you're watching something from the 70s or whatever. Now, first Absolutely. cow. It's on it's on four three right it's 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 the the boxes it's the four three aspect ratio but yeah. it might you know seven twenty might be not quite as flattering as it could be I'm not gonna be sweating about that too much because I don't know I've found lately like I've just noticed lately when I'm streaming things that just how like streaming quality isn't very good for like pixelation I just have noticed that like when I have HBO Max pulled up on my laptop. And then, like, HDMI to my TV, it mm-hmm. just isn't the same picture quality as even, like, a 720p, like, DVD in my Blu-ray player. But that is an entirely separate podcast tangent. Um, Old Joy. <laughs> should, we, should we talk about Old Joy now? It's a great note. Yeah, let's talk about Old Joy. Old Joy is, Old Joy is rides that line between being a really hard watch and being a really heartwarming watch. Um I don't. I, I really want to know what you thought about this movie first, because it's in your top two already. I'm assuming. Are yeah. We, I, yes. Did we, so these we are my had... top two. Okay. This the okay. Okay. I want to hear. And this is what, one and three for you. Uh, this was this was one. This was in the one two tier with first cow. Or no, I this was sorry. Women no, at two. No, you're right. I had this at three. Okay. Okay. So, oh man, this movie. Um, this, this, this movie was, was, was a a true, was the real revelation. I mean, Meek's cutoff blew me away, but this movie was an absolute revelation. It was one of those where I was just like, how have I not been hearing about this every week since I really started paying attention to movies, you know, whatever, six, seven years ago. Um, I love the dynamic between these two guys so much. Uh, And again, it sounds cliche. This shit felt so real. Like the 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 talks that these two dudes had together, both in the car and sitting, you know, at their first campsite, specifically on on that couch, um, is just like painstaking, or, like uh, heartbreakingly real in, in the stuff that they're talking about, like the the divides that can happen between two friends. Um, even just to talk about the environment, I love that line from Old Joy. I think it's. Um, um, I'm trying to think of which one was which. I need to give these two guys their their credit. I'm trying to think. Well, Kurt Will, was the um, yes. Kurt, Kurt was our balding friend. Yes. Hippie. Mark is our expecting father. Yeah. Kurt, played by Will Oldham, you know, was talking about how there's no difference between the city and the forest anymore because there's uh, trees in the city and there's trash in the forest. And there's just something about some small stuff like that that's so well written and like just feels so spot on. But something that I I would never have been able to, you know, come up with myself. um, Yeah. That it's I was so just blown poetic, away by. And it's it's wild that yes. these are characters that we've just met and that we haven't known these, these, the dialogue is written as if you know these you've known these characters for like two hours already or you've known 100%. them for like two seasons of television as opposed to just meeting them and it gives 100%. you everything you need and more the characterization is incredible and you do know these people like without them even talk, like you understand from the moment you know <laughs> um daniel london's character when he when mark gets to kurt's place kurt is the one who's invited him who said hey come with me Let's do this, blah, blah, blah. Mark gets there and he has to sit on the porch and wait for his friend at at his friend's place for another whatever. Maybe we say it's 15, 20 minutes. But it's just really funny how that plays out. And it's like, you know, exactly the these guys dynamic right away. And I love the fact that 
um, that Mark doesn't even really give him shit for it. You know, like, it's like, we have known each other for so long. I was expecting this to have happened. I'm not even gonna, you know, say, why didn't you tell me to come over now? If like, you weren't going to be ready for another half an hour, there's none of that. Um, and then it's just, I don't, it's so tender. Like these guys just want to go have a good time at the hot springs with their buddy. You know, they'd never get to see each other. They're each having different experiences. Um, you know, you could tell there's maybe, you know, maybe a little bit of held back resentment on one side and maybe a little bit of jealousy of the freedom that the other has on the other. You know, there's there's some of that stuff that you can feel in the air, but ultimately they just want to hang out with their buddy and get to some cool hot springs. Yeah, it's it's a crossroads movie. It's like an end of an era kind of clinging on to something that yeah. is, you know, it's it's a movie that reminded me of Inherent Vice which is mm, all yes. about like the past tense and the present tense yeah. in the future and being caught in between refusing to let go. But also if you're going to let go, you want to let go in the right way, you know, and you still want to yeah. do right by the people who've been there for you. Um, it's so, it's so lovely and it is so like peaceful and serene. I mean, these are, this is the most nature porn that I think right does. Oh. In it. I mean, it is just like, trees and trees and trees and trees and, and, trees and, and it trees. is beautiful man this is a gorgeous beautiful. gorgeous movie you sent me the uh the, the one of the songs that plays yes in movie too it, it is the song i have to talk so that moment that this is the second movie that she made it's great she made river of grass in 1994 she doesn't make another movie for 12 years and it's old joy and there's a decent buildup in this movie, right? With these two guys kind of connecting again and then getting in the car and taking off. And once they take off, the camera shifts from from looking at these guys and and basically turns into their perspective, right? And it's just a shots out of the window of this car driving along on the highway. And it goes from the town to the outskirts of the town to kind of the outskirts of the outskirts of the town to you know, areas where there's just a couple of like windmills or something to pure forest. And in this span, there's maybe five minutes of, of almost unbroken, just, um, well, not quite unbroken. They're, they're cutting uh, to different sections, but it's basically just shots out of this car and the song leaving home by Yola Tango is playing. And I was just sitting there on the couch and I turned to Emily and I was like, this is it. Like, this is when I come to watch a movie, this is one, it's telling me everything about this story right this entire story is about kind of the like where it is where does civilization end and like nature begin how do we fit into that what does it mean to get away from it all you know like all of that is tied in there and with that song playing i don't know it was it was just one of those moments that it's it's like almost hard to explain but it just hit me in the perfect spot dude absolutely spiritual moment and the movie actually spiritual like it did feel it did feel like a spiritual moment that sounds intense but i swear if people watch this movie it happens quickly you're not even really that invested in these guys as people at that point you know so it's not even like it's like you are dying for the characters or anything it's just like the the moment that this movie created is yeah. was yeah. awesome and to bookend all of it with mark driving to and from listening to like stuffy political radio yeah. amazing amazing stuff it talk about a callback so we were talking about how different these were 
um, from BlackBerry, it totally reminded me of the um, of the NHL, you know, yeah. talk radio in BlackBerry. That that's a really good call. Wow. It all and it was just like the constant, you know, the constant shit that we put ourselves through. And again, Old Joy, another movie where you're like, this is so this matters so much now. Like the the what she is telling as a contemporary story in 2006 shaped our time now. Like a bunch of people driving around listening to blowhards on the radio is what got us to this moment where every single person on their phone is like a mini Rush Limbaugh, right? Yeah. What is a podcast if not a blowhards on talk radio that we grew up listening to? Exactly. Exactly. This could easily be a descendant of, you know, our past selves sitting in a car listening to like the Saturday morning movie section of, you know, the local like sports station where they do two hours on, um, you know, the the current movies and talk about like what a snooze fest, you know, Planet of the Apes was or whatever. <laughs> we used to be a proper society. We, we used to be a proper society. I am thinking we should put Old Joy at one. I, that's where I have it. I was going to concede because so, you had it lower, but I, I wanted it one. Dude, you, you've sold me on it talking about, I think it's, these movies are so great to talk about people with. Uh, you've got to internalize yeah. them. I think a little bit at first, I do think you want to you do. let them marinate a little bit, ruminate on them because they are quiet, meditative. Um, but just because they might be quiet doesn't mean there isn't so much to gleam and then discuss over, right? And it's going to last longer than movies that throw a lot more at you. Um, yeah, absolutely. So Old Joy at one, first cow at two. So let's, let's yeah. go. You have the full list there. Can you, can you break it down for us? I do. Yeah. So at eight, we have River of Grass. At seven, we have Showing Up. At six, we have Night Moves. At five, we have Wendy and Lucy. Four, we have Meek's Cutoff. Three, we have Certain Women. Two, we have First Cow. And one, we have Old Joy. Great. I think that's a solid. It feels bad to have movies like Showing Up in River of Grass at seven and eight, but I know. such is the nature of these exercises. It just seems particularly silly with, you know, a, a completely non-commercial filmmaker like it, Kelly it, it, it is funny, especially like River of Grass. It's like she yeah. made that movie for like $200,000 and it's in yeah. her backyard, you know, like it's like that's yeah. it, and who it, am I to say that that's eighth? <laughs> And that movie kicks the ass of like so many other movies that we've seen oh. and we'll talk about and we'll continue. So many other about. movies. So but. many other movies that claim to be doing what what these movies are doing too, like mm -hmm. movies that are showing real life and showing you know the world the way it really is. Um, before we go, should we should we read down Jed's list because he did Dude, send I it over. He, he had some. You got it. I literally okay, have perfect. it pulled up on the text message thread perfect. right now. So, Jed, I will read his list. It's actually okay. I'm like rereading it now, now that we've established ours. Okay. Lots uh, of similarities. Eight. Yeah, some similarities. Eight, River of Grass. Seven, Meek's Cutoff. Six, Night Moves. Five, I think it was five was Old Joy. Yeah, yes. five, Old Joy. Four, Showing Up. Three, Certain Woman. Two, First Cow. And one, Wendy and Lucy. I yeah. really, I do wish we could have gotten Jed on to talk about Wendy and Lucy in particular. Because putting it at one is a strong choice, but it's one that I really respect because that's a heavy hitter. It very much is. And and going back to kind of what I said earlier, I think if I if you watch that movie most recently, I, I could very much imagine hopping on this podcast and being like, there is no 
<laughs> better you know it's one of the best movies of the last 20 years maybe you know like it it does have that emotional resonance yeah. um and he's he's a big dog guy so it makes a lot of, we we might have to next week give him you know uh the floor for five minutes to to talk a little bit about what wendy and lucy meant to him on uh this I most know, recent because we're not you, you were a cat person i'm not a pet person but if yeah i know that if i got like a pet at the stage of life it would be a cat i know it wouldn't be a dog so I I, I'm, I'm just right there with you on that but yeah we also have le- leather furniture so cats claws, oh, it's a little tough. Game. yeah a little tough anyway Next week, I don't know what we're doing yet next week. One thing that was talked about in the text thread, yeah. I don't want to overpromise, <laughs> underdeliver, but hey, some, someone's got to do it. National Treasure 2 Book of Secrets has been talked about. We mm-hmm. have talked about National Treasure 1. I think we did it in a versus. I think we did it versus Prisoner of Azkaban, mm-hmm. I think, which is yeah, Yes. Um, sounds- I, I brought it up because Bruce Greenwood, who – also was really good at mixed cutoff by the way i mean almost like a little bit out of place in like a good way in that movie and in reichardt's filmography i feel like yes. him and uh him and kurt from old joy could see could see some parallels yeah. there they might they, they could swap stories uh, definitely but so he's the president in national treasure 2 book secrets the president mm-hmm. the nick cage kid um yep. so i was thinking about the movie a lot this week maybe we'll talk about that maybe we'll put it in a versus maybe we'll do something else entirely that's going to be next week. And then the week after that, Wes is back. Wes yep. Anderson, Wesley Snipes Anderson is back. Evan, are you excited for Asteroid City? Uh, I I could not be more excited. I could not be more excited for Asteroid City. I love it. I love it. If you listen to this entire podcast, congratulations. This is longer than like multiple of Kelly Reichardt's movies somehow. <laughs> so go out, watch her filmography, engage with us, talk about it on the social media, that Flicking and Screaming on Instagram, Flick and Screaming on Twitter. We're available. We want to hear your thoughts and opinions on the website, flickingandscreaming.com as well. For Flicking and Screaming, I am JT Chipman. That is Evan Fagundis. We will catch you next time. See ya. And now, the starting lineup for your... Gangsters, what's up, guys? Slacker. Envy. I'm not going to debate you, Jerry. God bless the internet.